Welcome to the Sober Podcast, part of the Soberverse, created by the team at the Sober Network. The Sober Network has engaged in revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy. We offer fresh ideas to an industry that has relied on dated interventions. We are responsive to a new generation of substance users who are attached to their phones so we can impact massive social change. Our unmatched technology displays solutions of our various brands, demonstrating a thorough understanding of how we get things done. We are proving that technology, along with incentivized human accountability, provides measurable and positive outcomes. Visit us at SoberNetwork.com. Welcome to the Sober Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Brickhouse. And our sober liberty today is Shelby Christensen. She's an adoptee, a mother, wife, and teacher. Thank you for joining us on the Sober Podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Shelby, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you found sobriety. Yeah, I would love to. Thanks for having me. Um, so as you said, I am an adoptee. Um, and I have realized into sobriety over this last year that being an adoptee really contributed a lot to the narratives that I had around in my head about myself mm -hmm. and my value and my worth. And um, as I've done some deeper dives into those feelings, that's kind of what's made me realize that my feelings around an adoptee have really contributed to my addiction to alcohol um, all along. Yeah. yeah. So. How yeah, long I started sober. I am eight months sober. Oh, fantastic! Congratulations. Yes, thank and you. So, our, our topic thank today um, the reason why we're excited to have Shelby on is um, how to approach recovery as an adoptee, talking about um, what addiction and recovery looks like um, for an adoptee. And so, mm -hmm. um, how do you think being an adoptee affected your drinking? Well, for me personally, I had, I came to the realization that there were so many feelings I had around my adoption that I shoved down for so many years into like the depths of my soul to avoid confronting them. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, there was just this like nudge within me that I couldn't shake. I couldn't get rid of this feeling of like needing to know where I came from and what my biological family was like. And um, so I think that when I 
realized that that was something that I couldn't ignore any longer. Um, and I reached out and I actually did have a reunification with my biological family back in um, 2021. Yeah. That has played a huge part in leading to my decision to be sober. I've, I realized that alcohol was not serving me. It was just helping me mask a lot of the things that I um, needed to confront in terms of being an adoptee. I see. Um, was there a, uh, or, well, let me ask you this first. Um, uh, do you believe that um, alcoholism or addiction is inherited? Um, in other words, do you, do you ascribe to the nature versus nurture? Um, either one of those? You know, yeah. So I think that I do believe that like traits can be inherited. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, especially after having met my biological family and seeing the similarities that I have with these humans who, whom I've never met or been around my entire life. I do think that there are things that are inherited. Um, and I also, but I also think that, um, you know, you being susceptible to falling into substance abuse issues or addiction can also have a lot to do with the environment in which you're raised. Yeah. Was there a, a, any, a history of um, alcoholism or addiction um, on your adoption, uh, adopted family? Yeah, there was. So, um, so that's an interesting story. So my dad, actually, my, you know, adopted dad, he had a very severe drug addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, He was addicted to heroin and that led him to um, domestic violence. And he ended up going to prison when I was about 12 years old. Um, So drugs was something that I always was like, no, not for me, never going to try it. You know, like I always need to shy away from it because of, I had seen what it had done to my family. Mm -hmm. Um, With alcohol, it was a little bit different because everyone around me and my family like was drinking, but I never really saw it as something that could be harmful. Oh, interesting. And what about, did you, have you discovered, um, that is there a a pattern or history of alcoholism and addiction, um, on your, uh, biological family side? Yeah, there, there is, there's, um, there's a certain people in my biological family that have struggled with those things as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, there's a history of drinking and alcoholism on in my family on my father's side. And I, I mm-hmm. think I inherited that uh, for my father and um, which is, I mean, I, so I tend to believe that it's an inherited trait. Um, although mm-hmm. he, um, there was, we had a guest on here one time he talked about alcoholism is inherited, but, but drug addiction, uh, drug addicts, uh, drug addicts are made, alcoholics are born kind of thing. Where you oh, have, interesting. Yeah. And, you know, because I've heard a lot of, you know, in, um, I've heard a lot of people, their story was, you know, they, uh, similar to yours in that they've seen, seen a parent, um, struggle, uh, ruinously, um, with, mm-hmm. you know, our alcoholism and say to themselves as a kid, I'll never do that. And then end yeah. up doing that. Um, but then I've also heard, you know, and, and here's a famous example, you know, Carol Burnett, um, the, actor, mm-hmm. the, you know, the variety TV show and, and she, her, both of her, she was raised by her grandmother because her parents were alcoholics and, and incapable of, of raising her. And so she never drank because she saw what it did to them. 
And mm-hmm. as far as I know, she hasn't, and she's not. A, but I wonder if she's simply not an alcoholic. In other words, like if she had chosen to drink, um, would she have become an alcoholic, or would she not? You know, would she not have? Become, mm-hmm. Not because she didn't want to become her parents, but because she just didn't have the inherited trait. So, um, I mean, yeah, I. Answer I that, but. I'm curious about that too. I, you know, I guess I would tend to my current thinking, which, you know, that can always change as we learn, but my current thinking is I I've always felt that it's just, you're kind of a product of your environment unless you make a new path for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I can't say that like there is, there was like anybody in my life that I would have considered an alcoholic, but I also think that because it was around all the time, maybe I did not see like the dangers in it. Right. Right. And oh, right. Um, you, whereas I, you saw the dangers in drugs because your father was, yeah. A, your father was a drug addict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And in our culture, it's like drinking is just so widely, it's just what, you know, everybody does it right. And it, it's at every event. And so it's not, I don't know. I guess you don't always see like the more negative side of it and what it can do to people, um, at least me and my experience. So I think if I would have seen that or maybe known about it, maybe I would have been more careful um, and tried to avoid it. But unfortunately, it went the other way. Right. (laughs) Um, And tell us a little bit more about how you think... um, uh, being adopted contributed to your, uh, uh, to your alcoholism? Um, yeah. So, so I think, you know, it's funny, like at the time you obviously don't realize these things only at 37 years old. Can I look back and really kind of see maybe what was going on in my mind mm-hmm. at that time. But, um, when I started drinking at 16 in high school, like many people do, I, I think it was just like that instant relief of, um, worrying about like what other people think of me. And I think that I always wanted like acceptance and I always wanted to, I wanted people to love me. And I, you know, I was afraid of rejection and things like this. So, you know, when my best friend was like, Hey, let's try this. I didn't want her to, to reject me in any way. And so I said, well, okay, let's, let's do it. And then it just kind of went on from there. But I think that I was always trying to fill this void as an adoptee of like, I I wasn't enough and mm-hmm. I'm never going to be enough. And I think that adoptees, you know, a lot of us, we feel that way. Like from square one, you know, when we were born, we weren't, we feel as though we weren't enough and we're sold a, a narrative about, you know, how amazing our adoption was. And it was great for like this family that got us and we were right. chosen and those things are wonderful, but that the core belief that, you know, we're kind of left with is that, but wait, someone didn't want me first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And just that is so painful to carry. And also as an adoptee, I think that we kind of tend to be like people pleasers, accomplishers, um, and to avoid hurting anybody in our adoptive family, at least for me, this was the case. I never wanted to hurt my mom and have her thinking that she wasn't enough for me. So I never really brought any of these things up because I, I felt that I needed to be grateful for my adoption, you know? 
and that yeah right you you didn't feel that you had um uh the license or the freedom to to ask those questions or to explore that side right yeah yeah and i think you know my family's wonderful but i just think that it goes back to like that internal dialogue that we create for ourselves where it's you know it's kind of said that oh well this happened and you know something happened we don't know what it is right but something happened and they didn't they couldn't have you or they didn't want to have you and but we're so happy to have you now right and so you i kind of floated on that for most of my life of the like oh i'm so lucky that i was taken from whatever environment and given to somebody who really wanted me mm-hmm. um and that got me by for a while, but I, you know, I've realized that I really was just burying a bunch of feelings I was having and then alcohol kind of relieved that for me. And so it wasn't until, you know, these past couple of years that I've really dug deep enough to get into that stuff that I've realized that I don't, you know, that I am enough just as I am and I don't need, you know, alcohol to like make me not feel those things anymore. Right, right. I hear you. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back in just a few seconds. So stick with us. Hi, I'm Sonia, the founder of Everbloom. We help you change your relationship with alcohol through connection and conversation. We provide small group meetings where you can share your story and get the encouragement and support you need to achieve your goals. Whatever your goals are, we're a judgment-free space. You can find us at joineverbloom.com, B-L-U-M-E, and try us out with a free meeting. And we're back talking to Shelby Christensen. Um, How do you think, uh, how has being an an adoptee uh, affected your recovery? And have you, um, are you in contact or have you had, um, uh, gotten connected with other adoptees in recovery? Um, yeah, so I, so I have, yes. Um, I, I think when you're an adoptee, you gravitate towards them. And so I know one of my best friends, um, that I've, I met her in the restaurant industry when we first started serving and bartending together and we've remained close, um, ever since. So she's somebody that I lean on a lot because we understand each other and kind of the things that we've been through. Um, but I've also noticed that there's, well, I've learned that there's, there's other communities out there too of, not only just adoptees and then people that are struggling with their addictions, but, but both. Um, and so it's been interesting and, and fun to like stumble upon these different resources, this world that I didn't even know existed that fits who I am so perfectly. Right. Um, like I've struggled with alcohol and I'm an adoptee and there's a place where I can go and talk about both of these things. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Wait, where is that place that you can go and talk about both these things? Um. So. Well, for me, so Instagram has been like a huge place for me where I have found um, mm-hmm. community. So I've, I'm part of lots of different, um, you know, groups and things on Instagram. I, I listen to lots of podcasts, too. Um, and then I even came across an adoptees, adoptees and addiction um, Zoom meeting that takes place every Saturday. Oh, so I've joined cool. in. Yeah, I've joined into one of those. And um, I had, you know, it's just so it's so wild to listen to other people's stories. And I think you just get that confirmation that like what you're feeling, other people are feeling too. And it's okay. 
Um, and I've also just been reading a lot. So in addition to reading like Quit Lit and things like that, I've also just been reading um, literature on the adoptee experience and the combination of both of those have really helped me. Great. What advice do you have um, uh, to other adoptees who are uh, struggling with addiction or are in recovery? Yeah, my advice, I guess, would just be to to give yourself grace and love and just know that your feelings are true and valid and and something really traumatic happened to you at your birth. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you're, are you familiar at all with the ACEs study? No, um, tell us about it. Yeah. So it's a study that was done back in um, 90, from 95 to 97 by um, the CDC and Kaiser Permanente. And basically what they were trying to do is answer this question of, you know, they have all these people coming to them with these substance abuse issues, mental health issues, and chronic illnesses. Mm-hmm. And the question they're asking, like, is if these things are not randomly distributed, then what is it that leads to these things in people, right? And if we can predict what leads to them, then maybe we can help prevent them. And so there's actually um, a quiz that you can take, and it's it's a free online quiz. And it asks you um, a number of different questions about your experiences in your childhood from age zero to 17. And so it's it can be questions about like, did you um, witness domestic violence in your home? Um, or it could be like, did you have a parent that was incarcerated? And for me as an adoptee, um, I kind of came back to this study because I had learned about it being an educator. I had learned about it and then I started connecting my own personal experiences to it. So I wanted to take it again. Yeah. So basically the more questions you answer yes to, the more ACEs you have and your risk is higher for, you know, substance abuse or, um, chronic illnesses. Uh So my score is a seven out of 10 on those ACEs. And the one ACE that all adoptees have in common. So the one thing that we're like coming into this world with, regardless of maybe the the rest of our life is perfection, let's Mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the questions says, before your 18th birthday, was a biological parent ever lost to you through divorce, abandonment, or other reasons? And every, every adoptee can answer yes to that question. Sure. We were taken directly from our biological family and put with another family. And I think taking a look at that study and what it says about my future, and I think with, I hope that adoptees would too, maybe take a look at the, the risks that we are born with in terms of, you know, our likelihood of success in life. I think to kind of, it's kind of shocking when you take the quiz because you're kind of like, ooh, it, what does this say about like, like it is almost, it makes you really travel back in time when in your childhood and kind of yeah. confront some things that you went through that maybe weren't so great. But at, but the bright side of it for me was that when I, when I have this knowledge and I know that my risk is high for chronic illnesses and substance abuse issues, right? Mm-hmm. And addictions, then, then I can work my best to prevent that. And I can say, Hey, this is something that statistically I'm very likely to end up in this category unless I 
make changes for myself. So I think for adoptees, I would just really want them to acknowledge that and say, okay, what do I need to do maybe and like take my power back so that I don't become this statistic? Right. So basically take the the power, um, uh, the courage to change what I can. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, So you're a teacher. What do you teach? And do you feel like um, being adopted has has in any way affected the way you teach and and the way uh, that you parent? You're a mother. Yeah. Um, Okay. so for for teaching and being an adoptee, um, I'm not sure that it's affected so much of my teaching. I would just say that um, recently, as I've become sober, um, I've really become more passionate about um, how can I help my students from a higher level? So mm-hmm. I've been teaching for like 11 years and I'm, I've realized over the years that kids are coming in with trauma and tra- after trauma, after trauma and all these things that they're faced with in their homes. And I don't have the power to change that. Right. Um, but I have been inspired in finding my own sobriety to help families, mothers, you know, fathers, fix their relationship with alcohol or substances so that then that them healing themselves trickles down to their children. So I'm feeling really drawn into that space and I'm, you know, I'm not um, doing anything quite yet, but it has kind of changed my perspective, I guess, over the years where I'm like, okay, I can't, I can only do so much with the kids when I have them for those six hours, but how could I make a more lasting change in impacting their family unit? I would love to do something in that direction. Very cool. And what, what age group are you, uh, do you teach? I teach fifth grade right now. So they're Mm -hmm. 10 and 11 years old. Yeah. Right. Uh, One last question. Uh, What is the best lesson you've learned in sobriety and how did it help you? Ooh, um, so many lessons, (laughs) so many lessons, but I guess the most, like the one that really pops into my mind right away is that I am enough. And I think that as an adoptee, I have spent my entire life feeling as though I wasn't. And the removal of alcohol from my life really forced me to get to know like who I am without any other substances helping me along without any crutches and just being able to stand firm on my own two feet and know in any situation that I am entering, like I am enough just as I am right now. And these, yes, these things happen to me um, that were out of my control, but I have the power to take back control and change my outcome. That is a great lesson and a great way to end. Thank you for your continued support. Um, You can visit us on SoberPodcast.com and all places where you find major podcasts to leave us a review, sign up for our mailing list. You will also find the contact information in the show notes of our guest, Shelby Christensen. And I am your host, Jamie Brickhouse. You can find me on TikTok where I tell a true story in high heels every day. (laughs) I am signing out from the Sober Podcast. Tune in for another show next week. 
thank you for joining us for this episode of The Sober Podcast. We hope that you have found this episode helpful and look forward to you joining us next time. As we continue to grow and implement positive change, we hope that you'll share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. They can find us on all the major podcast directories. If you have an idea for the show, want to leave positive feedback, ideas, or comments, connect with us on thesoberpodcast.com. You can also reach us on our social media platform on The Soberverse. We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all those who make this show happen. Jamie Brickhouse, our host, Carrie, our producer, Carl Fessenden, our voice, and our sponsor, The Sober Network. Network.